0: Today, we're going to talk about the champion's mindset. Hey, welcome to the Healthpreneur Show. I'm Uriel Khame, CEO and founder of Healthpreneur. You are listening to this because you are a health professional or coach who is committed and driven to growing a successful virtual practice or coaching business online. In these episodes, I'm going to give you the best of the best when it comes to marketing, sales, mindset, business growth in general to help you achieve those goals. So without any further ado, let's dive right in. A few weeks ago, I was watching the U.S. Open final, tennis that is, and uh, Novak Djokovic won his 24th Grand Slam. Okay, that's the most of all time, he's tied with, tied with Margaret Court. He basically has all the records, Like so arguably he's the greatest tennis player of all time. And and today what I want to share with you is, is the mindset, not that I know Novak, but I've watched tennis for most of my life, and it's amazing to see what champions like him do differently than everyone else. So he's playing Daniel Medvedev in the final. Uh, A couple years ago, Medvedev actually beat him in the U.S. Open final. So at least Medvedev had that coming into the match. Um, But you're playing like, you know, Medvedev's won one major. Djokovic is 23 at that point. And before the match, they were asking Medvedev, like, you know, what do you have to do differently today to win? And he basically said, I have to play a 12 out of 10 to beat Novak. And he kept bigging him up like he's an amazing player. And he's like, better than me, whatever, whatever, whatever. Now, I don't know if he was saying that just to bleep. Politically nice, and maybe he felt differently on the inside. But it's interesting to to see how that plays out in a match. So what I found interesting about this match was I actually think that Djokovic, he looked physically exhausted. Like, it was like he's 36 years old. He went through the first set. He looked okay. Second set, he looked like he was 70 years old. Like, he was stumbling. He couldn't balance. He was tired after, like, heaving after points. That's not something you often see. And they were playing indoors, and it wasn't that hot. Like, the roof was closed. And I thought to myself, if he doesn't win this second set, he's going to lose the whole match but he found a way to win the second set. I don't know what goes on in that guy's mind, but it's it's on another level. Fast, like, rewinds 20 some odd years, 30 some odd years. He grows up in Serbia. He's from Serbia, war-torn country, and he talks a lot about this. You know, the fact that like when you're a kid and you have fighter jets and stuff flying over or dropping bombs, and you're like under rubble and your house, like houses and buildings are being blown up, you can go in two directions from that. Some people hold that as bitterness and anger for the rest of their life. And others, like in Djokovic's case, allowed him, I think, to become incredibly resilient to build, I don't know if it's a reference point to say, like, whatever I'm going through is nothing compared to that. So I think he's in a very unique situation because most tennis players at least on the men's side, they have a very cushy type of journey, right? The Roger Federer's, you know, like the white coats, everything's nice, their family is fairly wealthy. Djokovic, that wasn't his story. None of his parents or family members played tennis. They didn't have the money to afford playing tennis. And, you know, he was able to find a way to make it happen. He left home at an early age to go to Germany and, and training and competing there. And it's really fascinating because when you look at that, the reality is like, most people don't have what it takes to succeed in a very big way. And most people don't have what it takes to succeed at a decent level, to be honest. They come up with excuses and bullshit stories because they're so paralyzed by fear that they that they miss out on living their life. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for people who say, this is my vision, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen, and let's go. And I have no patience for people who say, I want this thing, but then they don't do anything towards its attainment. As you know, and why this series has been built, because it drives me nuts. Don't say you want something if you're not willing to do what it takes to get there. Capiche? So earlier on in Novak's career, he was actually a bit of a joker. So actually, his nickname was Joker. Like Novak, uh, instead of Djokovic, it was like, call him a joker like that like as a, as a nickname but it's interesting to see how he's matured from that early couple years of his journey into where he is now because right now like i would say he is probably the least liked of the top players Like when you compare him to like Roger Federer, Nadal, in terms of like fan favorites. And I don't understand why. I think Novak is one of the most humble, mindful, and uh, spiritually evolved people in the public sphere. And I don't know if it's just like most people don't get that and they're like, whatever. But he's had to deal with so much adversity in his journey. As an example, almost every single time he plays in a match, the majority of the crowd is cheering for the other guy. Just think about that. Like every single time you play a tennis match and you are the greatest tennis player who's ever lived, okay? Now, obviously, he wasn't the greatest player who ever lived up until like the last two years or so. But even during the journey, up until this point, you go on the court, and the majority of the people in the stadium are cheering for the other person because they're the underdog, or because they like that person better. Just think of like what that would do to you from a like from a headspace. You know, playing the Roger Federers, where everyone loves Roger, everyone loves Nadal, and here comes Djokovic, and it's like. 80-20. I was actually at the semifinals of the Australian Open in 2020 before the pandemic watching the semifinals between Roger Federer and Djokovic. And that was the last match Federer played before he was out for like two years with a knee surgery, like a knee issue. And that match, you could like, Federer looked old. He lost in three sets. It was kind of an underwhelming performance, but you could like, even being there, like you could sense everyone wanted Roger to win, right? And what Novak's been able to do, and he talks about this publicly, is when anyone's cheering, when when the whole stadium is chanting the other person's name, he literally translates that into his head about them cheering for him. So just think about this. You have 20,000 people chanting Roger, Roger, and he's able to translate that into no le, no le, like that's kind of his serbian nickname like who is a, who's able to do that very few people he has a gift and i don't know if it's a gift uh, here's the thing i don't think it's a gift because he's talked about the fact that he practices mindfulness and for him if you follow him on instagram and just kind of you know if you're into the tennis world at all you kind of see how he lives his life a little bit and obviously, we don't know everything but he's a very demanding person like you know he he openly talks about the fact that like, you know, he thanks his team for putting up with his very high standards. And this, we talk about this all the time, guys, like, I'm not easy to work with. I kind of lose my shit on some of my team members sometimes because I've got very high standards. And, you know, there's obviously like, I'm not saying like, we're emotionally erupting, but you get very frustrated when you've got very high standards and other people are down here. And Novak, and I think most, high-level people, high performers are similar to that. And it's not to say that you can't, obviously improve because we all can. But one of the things that Novak has talked a lot about openly is the fact that he's spent a lot of time working on his mind, right? a lot of mindfulness practices and so forth. And what that's allowed him to do is it's allowed him to play his best tennis in pressure situations where most people crumble under pressure, he performs better. And I think this is one of the real hallmark signs of top performers is that it's Every Like, it's easy to win when things are great, but champions are born when things get tough. When I was coaching at the University of Toronto with the men's soccer program, over seven years, I don't think there was a single individual on that team, sorry, there was one, who was a great captain. And he was there for two years. He was also a little bit older, a little more mature, but great guy. Um, But there were two other captains in, in different seasons who, in both situations, were literally flakes they couldn't handle the pressure of school and soccer and the stress of the demands of whatever they had to do. So what did they do? They stopped coming to practice. They literally disappeared. Just imagine this first. Like, imagine your child's, and, and maybe this has happened to some people and it has you know, that, that sucks, obviously. Imagine you're a child and one of your parents just decides to stop showing up at home. They're like, they like just don't come back because they can't deal with it. Like, what the fuck is your problem, dude? Like, wake up and grow up and put some pants on, right? It's not meant to be easy. Like, you have to grow into this. There are many times I'm like, I don't want to keep doing this as a parent, but do I leave my kids? Do I leave my wife? No, like, come on. Like, seriously? And this is what happened with two of those captains and two different teams is they literally flaked out, like... Disappeared, went rogue, and I'm talking about for like two, three weeks. Like that's that's a major problem. Like you have some shit you got to work on. So it's easy to be a great captain and a leader of your life when things are great. But what happens when things don't go so well during COVID? Well. We got a healthy dose of that. And the thing that I like, I was reminded of is that tough times don't create problems, they reveal them. So if you're someone who's literally one bad day away from a breakdown or a meltdown, that's an opportunity to work on some stuff there. If you can't handle the turbulent challenges of growing in business, maybe you should work for someone else, right? If you don't have what it takes to invest in yourself, if you don't have what it takes to continually hit the wall and get back up, and get punched in the face metaphorically speaking and get back up and deal with rejection after rejection after effort that goes unrewarded after effort that goes unrewarded after idea after idea, after idea that people don't give a shit about. If you can't keep going if you can't keep going through that, then call it a day. Hang up your boots and work for someone else. Because the reality is, entrepreneurship is not meant for everyone. It's not. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just popping in real quick to let you know that I am on Instagram. If we're not connected yet on the good old ING, hit me up. I'm at Healthpreneur, not any of the other fake accounts but just at health be sure to follow me on instagram and send me a dm let me know how you like the show or really anything else you need help with to grow your virtual health practice or coaching business online so once again that's at printer on instagram in the meantime let's get back to the show i i think it's actually fairly hilarious that um people let's say in the coaching space, buy themselves a job where they coach clients and they say they're business owners. Like, no, like if your whole business relies on you, you have a job, you don't have a business and that's fine, call it what it is. But the reality is like, Sometimes it can be a lot easier to work for someone else, and there's a great path for many people down that down that road. But nonetheless, you know, I, I put this on Instagram the other day. I said, "I have I have no tolerance for like there was a a big grocery chain in Toronto, our area, and they went on strike for like close to a month. Like the employees there, almost a month, they were on strike, and I was I cannot stand." that shit i can i have like i loathe unions the whole idea of like you can't fire me i'm unfireable and if i don't get an increase in my pay i'm not going to do anything so here they are sitting outside on the grass for four weeks holding signs up like honk if you like fuck i'm not honking at you right you're bagging groceries why don't you skill up and get another job instead of complaining about the fact that you're not making an extra two bucks because of inflation. I understand, like I understand where you're coming from, right? I get it, but I have little tolerance for bullshit like that. The sense of entitlements, like the reason you're out of the job or you're like you're not working is because you're not good enough. And the thing I posted on Instagram is like, the best way, right? The best form of job security is great performance. It's really that simple. Like if you work for someone else, and you wanna be there for a long time, just be a great performer. Because if you're mediocre, trust me, your direct reports, your supervisor, your boss, oh, they know. And it's only a matter of time. And the only reason you may not be gone yet is because they are afraid of having a hard conversation or doing what's right for the business. I'm that guy, okay? I know, and I've seen, I've worked with a lot of people over the years, and I know when someone's an A player and when someone's not an A player. And I'm talking about from kind of like an employee perspective here. But even if you think of your customers as your employees, or sorry, other way around. You are the employee to your customers or your clients, right? So let's say that you are the entrepreneur. Your clients are your boss. They pay your rent. They pay your mortgage. They pay you. So if you are not excellent, they will leave, i.e., they will fire you. And that's why I do think it's important we do whatever we possibly can to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Not only is it a survival mechanism to just thrive no matter what, but it just makes you into it just it just allows you to be a better human, right? And if you're a better human, you can build a better business. I posted something on Instagram the other day that said, things get better when you get better. And someone had the audacity to say, Yeah, but not all the time. I'm like, no, no, all the fucking time. And the reason you answer that is exactly why you're in the situation you're in. And I don't even know your situation, but I know your situation just based on that comment. Oh, it's, uh, life is hard. Fuck off. That's all I need to know. Uh, Oh, I, you're done. Yeah, like, guys, I can spend one minute with you and I can I can forecast your future based on how you speak, based on the words that come out of your mouth, based on how you respond to a question. And I like I don't have a gift. I've just been doing this for so long. I mean, I catch myself saying stuff, and I'm like, dude, why are you thinking so small? And Uh, You know, I'll give credit to uh, one of our our new clients, Zach. So we had a conversation the other day and he was was just about to join us in HBA and he sent me a message um, on Messenger and it was, you know, a pretty detailed message and I sent him back a message kind of in the heat of the moment that I later unsent. But then he told me he actually saw it and I was like, okay. But then he said, I appreciate the message. And the message that I sent to him was he was looking for a lot of details and certainty and whatever. And I just said, I'm like, dude, you're thinking too small. And it's that thinking that's not gonna help you get ahead. And then I thought about it. And I was like, well, maybe that's not the, the the most like empathetic answer. So I unsent it, but he actually saw it. And then he thanked me for sending that to him. And I want to just give him kudos because he's the type of person, we spoke about this afterwards, where he said, dude, like, I need you to call me out on this stuff. I know I'm thinking small. I need you to hold me to a higher standard. And I have a tremendous amount of appreciation for people like that because those are the people I want to work with. Those are the people who do great things on this planet as opposed to I was offended when you said I didn't take my business seriously, which somebody else said to us on Instagram. And the comments that we had made was in a chat was essentially something based on the, like what she had mentioned to us. It was like, I basically said, Well, it doesn't appear that you're like it doesn't appear that your business is a top priority for you now, or business growth or scale isn't a top priority. And then she said, I feel offended by that. I'm like, I wasn't it wasn't meant to offend you. I'm just calling it what it is. Don't be a baby. Okay. <laughs> We live in this, like, it's so funny, like, this this culture that we live in now, where it's, like, everyone's so offended by everything. You watch a comedian on TV, and they even talk about it. It's, like, guys, like, this is a joke. Don't take it personally. If I'm talking about fat people and you're fat, don't take it personally, because I'm not talking about you. And here everyone is getting so bent out of shape because everyone's taking stuff so personally. So, full circle, coming back to this Djokovic conversation, I, I think he's got, like, a really cool journey of, like, he grew up in really tough situations. So maybe you're telling yourself a story where your childhood is tough. Hey, I I empathize with you, but like how long do you want to let that story hold you back? It's, It's a choice at this point. Do you have some work to do? to overcome that? For sure. But we all do, right? We all have stuff we have to overcome. So it's a choice. Do I want to let that story hold me back or do I want to write a new chapter? So you have this amazing, like, you know, the the past creates this beautiful foundation to propel you forward if you allow it to, or it can really just cripple you and hold you back if you keep living there. So Djokovic could have lived in that In that anger, and like, why did this happen to me and my family? But he used that as fuel to create something amazing. And he also used that to build his resilience, to be able to persist and bounce back and get through tough times on the tennis court in life, people not liking him as much as other people. And then through his Tennis career really starting to work on his mindfulness. You know, I think he became, I don't know if he's vegetarian, but he went gluten-free and I think he still is, that obviously made a big difference for his breathing and all that kind of stuff. But you could see he's much more mindful and very spiritual. And he brings that to the court. and you can almost see between points how he breathes, how he pauses, right? How he shows appreciation. It's really, really cool. And listen, as someone who loves tennis, I... I have a tremendous amount of respect for that because it can be very frustrating when things aren't going your way. It can be very frustrating when your serve isn't on and it's so hot outside and you can't even think properly because your body is so hot. And to still keep calm under pressure, I mean, I think tennis honestly is one of those sports that challenges physical and mental at such a level that is perhaps unparalleled in most sports. It's you and you and that's it you've got 20,000 people, eyes are all on you. There's no team, you have to be on all the time. If you lose your head like Nick Curios does, game's over. So I wanted to just share this as more of like me just kind of talking about how I really see the mindset of some of these champions and how they're able to elevate their game under pressure when the going gets tough, and my encouragement to you is to not shy away from difficult situations, don't shy away from hard decisions, don't shy away from things that scare you, because that's what everyone else does. And no one, no one, like no one's inspired by someone who says, "I really want to build, no, I'm scared shitless of doing it." No one, no one's inspired by that. It's just such a common story. Oh, you talk about some stuff, you don't do any shit, whatever next. Be the type of person who does it anyways. Be the type of person who's scared shitless and still moves forward. Be the type of person who has no certainty other than the belief you have in yourself and you make it happen. That's inspiring. That moves mountains. That's what people want to see. And that's the message I want to share with you in this video. So let me know what you liked about this one. Um, If by any chance you missed last week's episode about how I donated to the devil and the ridiculous of what what happened there, be sure to click there right now and watch that video next. Uh, It's a shocking story and I don't think you want to miss it. Thanks for hanging out. Watch that next and I'll see you in the next episode. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me in today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have, here's what I'd love for you to do next, is if you're not already subscribed to the Health Burner Show, go ahead and hit that button wherever you're listening to this to make sure you do not miss a single episode coming your way. And while you're at it, why not leave a rating or review? It would mean a lot to me. And here's why. Because I lay in bed awake at night wondering, are you enjoying this show? Do you get a lot of value out of this? And I never really know until I hear from you. All kidding aside, I would really appreciate a rating and review, because as you know, the more people know about this show, the more people we can help, and your ratings and reviews make a huge difference. So thanks for hanging out with me once again, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.